0: stories big guess the big picture afternoons with rob brankenridge weekdays 12:30 to 3 770 chqr so if you didn't know who the premier bc was before this week i guess we all do now we all know the name john horgan and we're all trying to figure out what's going on in his head and in the meantime i guess he's kind of living rent free in our collective heads What's this guy's deal? What's he trying to do? How do we stop him? Why does he hate Alberta? Why does he hate pipelines? Why does he hate this particular pipeline? A lot of questions being asked, and, and maybe more importance is being bestowed upon him than is warranted. Right? He's the premier of a province, and when it comes to pipelines, there's some obvious federal jurisdiction. So he can indicate maybe a desire to usurp that jurisdiction. It's not entirely clear that he can Therefore, it's not entirely clear to me that he needs to be stopped. I mean, if I declare myself to be the premier of B.C., John Horgan doesn't need to stop me, doesn't need to to get a court injunction to stop me, doesn't really need to do much because I'm not the premier of B.C., and I can't make myself the premier of B.C. Uh, But obviously, this this whole episode has created a lot of bitterness and a lot of uncertainty. And maybe it's on the latter point that, that perhaps is most concerning. Because uncertainty can have consequences. And it may well be that opponents of the Trans Mountain Pipeline are just hoping that they can run out the clock and Kinder Morgan will just walk away. Let's also remember, though, John Horgan, it's not a surprise that he's opposed to this pipeline. That's what they ran on in, in the last B.C. election. So I want to try to get a better understanding of what's motivating this guy and what their end game is. Uh, Vaughn Palmer watches all of this very closely. He's Provincial Affairs Columnist for the Vancouver Sun, vancouversun.com. Vaughn, thanks for making some time for us here today. Good day. So looking at where we are sitting here today and everything that's happened uh, as of late here, is this where John Horgan wanted and expected this whole thing to be? Well, I
1: think he wanted to create as much uncertainty for this project as he could and to be appear to be doing something, but important thing to note is he hasn't actually done anything yet, except put out a press release and make a statement. Right. The the, the trouble, and I mean, the federal government has, has looked at the option of taking the British Columbia to court and challenging what it's doing. But uh, I gather Ottawa has concluded there's nothing to take to court at the moment. This the government is going to put out proposed regulations later this month in a policy paper, and then study them and consult the environment minister said this week that the actual regulations may not come in for another year so essentially this delays things for a year it may be a year before there's anything anybody can take to court and I think that's where you see this is as much a political strategy as it is a public policy strategy it is as you suggest about creating greater uncertainty for the project in the, uh, in the hope that the company will finally give up and walk away from British Columbia and take its $7.4 billion somewhere else.
0: Right. Well, I mean, look, obviously the project's more contentious in B.C. than it is in Alberta. I mean... Political differences aside, here there's a pretty broad political consensus uh, that that we you know we want to get this built. I, I grant that in BC it's it's a different story. So when when John Horgan uh, speaks out against this pipeline or casts doubt on this pipeline or appears to be perhaps an obstacle to the pipeline, is is he playing to public opinion?
1: got more, about, more to do with tankers and pipelines. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there is an issue with pipeline, but the pipeline runs through the interior of British Columbia. There's already a pipeline there. It's been there for a long time. Uh, the job of building the pipeline and constructing it would probably create employment all the way through uh, the interior of British Columbia. So it's not it's not so much about the pipeline. It does cross water courses and, and native land, but the, the, big, the big issue out here, and it confined largely to, to the coast and large, for the most part, to uh, constituencies that are represented in the legislature by the New Democrats, the issue is tanker traffic. So there are some tankers go through our waters every day, uh, taking oil out of Vancouver and also uh, servicing Washington State but this would lead to a tripling of tanker traffic, and that's where the concern is. Is it's, The concern is more tankers potentially increases, well, increases the risk of spills and whether we can deal with it.
0: Now, it'd be interesting to see, because I know Kinder Morgan uh, is, is still working its way through the permit process before they can start construction, yes. but... What happens if, you know, John Horgan's still in his consultation process, uh, but we get to the point where they can start shovels in the ground building this pipeline? Do, do we end up with a, a showdown at some point? Well,
1: you know, that's an interesting question, and the, certainly one legal position would be this, that pipelines and ports... And interprovincial infrastructure are all federal responsibilities. The national government has approved this project with conditions. If the company has met all of the national conditions and gets a green light to go ahead and build the pipeline, why couldn't they just do that? That would put the onus back on the B.C. government to take them to court right. and try to challenge it. So Uh, I think you've touched on, and the company's been very careful about what they're saying. They're looking at their legal options, they don't think this is warranted, they're warning about the impact on investors, but they're being careful. So I think you've put your finger on one of the options here, which is that if the company meets all of the federal conditions for going ahead, they start building.
0: Right. It may may all come down to, to whether they can get an injunction to stop the building.
1: Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question, too. But, um, well, there's a court challenge going on right now, and we're waiting to hear from the federal court whether or not they're going to uphold the permitting Mm -hmm. and all that. If the federal court upholds that, I I would be a little surprised if another Canadian court would turn around and issue an injunction against a project that had been approved and upheld in court by the federal court, I I don't know as though you could get an injunction on that basis with the courts having already green lighted construction.
0: Yeah, no, you're probably right. So uh, looking at 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 that as a potential uh, a potential scenario here, from John Horgan's perspective, is is there a way out of this without looking as though he's he's caved, right? I mean, can can he find uh, some middle ground here?
1: Well, you know. If the premier of British Columbia has to tell his environmental and green allies that he did everything he possibly could to stop this project within the law and the courts let it go ahead, well, that's not a bad fallback position. You know, I tried and the courts confounded me and they let it go ahead and it's going ahead. I mean, all he ever promised to do was to use every tool in a toolbox as legal. Uh, He did not. Say that he was going to chain himself to bulldozers or or you know, stage illegal protests. So, and you know the BC government's been very careful, right? They've they've they say anyway they've met so far the legal conditions they have to meet in terms of approving permits within a reasonable period of time. So they've they've been careful to walk sort of a razor's edge of threatening to do something that they're not actually doing that may or may not be a problem down the road while meeting the bare minimum of conditions they have to meet right now.
0: There, there's also the question of what's supposed to be coming BC's way in terms of, I think ah. it's a billion dollars from, from Kinder Morgan, a billion and a half from Ottawa. Yep. Uh, is that all up in the air now?
1: Well, that, I think, is, is a, there's, there's two or three issues around that. So, yes, uh, the previous B.C. government made a deal with Kinder Morgan to share in the benefits, and it's a billion-dollar fund over 20 years. And the federal government committed to world-class oil spill-fighting containment resources out here, prevention and containment and cleanup, and that's a billion and a half on the coast, and, and the national government has, has made it pretty clear that uh, all of those resources may not be coming here if British Columbia isn't part of the project. Now, the interesting thing about that, and the downside for British Columbia, is the resources out here are not good enough to deal with spills right now. So we were going to get additional coverage for existing risk plus much greater coverage for new risks. If we just walk away from this thing, or if Kinder Morgan does, the pipeline doesn't happen, is Ottawa going to be forthcoming with all those resources? Probably not. And obviously, the province won't be in line for the benefit fund either. So there there is some downsides to British Columbia, but, you know, some of those are down the road. And at the moment, the government is saying, well, you know, all we're doing is consulting British Columbia. Once we haven't actually said exactly what we may do a year from now.
0: Well, and, but here's the other thing, too. And, and for all the talk of what might happen a year from now, two years from now, Is this Green NDP coalition built for the long haul? Is it still going to be there in a year or two years? How stable are they right now? I think they'll
1: stick together uh, until we get a referendum this fall. British Columbians are going to vote on whether or not they want to change the electoral system to proportional representation. And If you know how that one works, uh, it would be best for the Greens. They took 17% of the vote and only got three seats. So. Uh, in a proportional system, they'd get more seats. They would be entrenched in the political system. They would have better bargaining power down the road. So I think the Greens and the NDP will stick together until that. If that passes, well, then I think they will be around for a while. So I don't see... You know, it's year to year anyway. I don't see anything that's going to bring down that government in the next year. And it could survive for some time. Uh, The next election in B.C. is in the fall of 2021. And look, that's a calculation for Premier John Horgan as well. Rachel Notley faces an election next year. So does Justin Trudeau. And if Trudeau really lays on the lumber out here in British Columbia to get this project to go ahead... Um, he's got 18 seats in B.C., I think, what, only four in Alberta? So he might sacrifice some of those seats. The New Democrats federally are, you know, kind of hoping that if Trudeau really pushes hard on this uh, pipeline issue out here before the next federal election in the fall of 2019, that that might redound to the benefit of the federal NDP.
0: You know, it's interesting, as we saw this week, the uh, Steelworkers Union, typically a strong NDP ally, they, they want uh, Horgan to yep. back away from this. I, I don't know where, where the wine industry is, is coming down on this. I mean, is, is, there, is there pressure from, from uh, other elements within B.C. for them to, to back down on this? Well,
1: the jobs thing is a factor, and I think that's why the steelworkers are upset. Uh, the wine industry is a factor as well. Alberta is our number two customer. Uh, there's lots of talk about British Columbians buying extra wine as a gesture, as a <laughs> <laughs> but we're, we're talking about replacing our number two customer here. So it's significant. It may interest you. There's a by-election in wine country on Wednesday of next week to oh, fill really? a vacant seat in the legislature. I know Premier Notley drew attention to that in her press conference this week. The New Democrats were not expected to win that. It's a B.C. liberal seat. It was in the past held by former Premier Christy Clark. But it'd be interesting to see whether this issue intrudes at all into that by election. It might uh, increase turnout and you may see a bit of a backlash against the new Democrats and the greens both the greens were talking about you know stealing that seat a little earlier um, if there's any kind of backlash, I don't think that's going to happen so people will be looking at that uh, be looking at that by election on Wednesday to see if there's any sign there but no the 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 threat to the wine industry is real, and it's serious, and the provincial government is going to have to do something here. They're talking about a a campaign to promote wine sales elsewhere, which they will try, but seriously, like, you don't kiss off your number two customer this easily. Uh, It's going to hurt.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Well, never a dull moment these days, Vaughn, VancouverSun.com. Thanks so much for making some time for us here today. Very Appreciate good. It. Call any time. Will do. Take care. Uh, that is Vaughn Palmer, Provincial Affairs columnist for the Vancouver Sun, VancouverSun.com. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, John Horgan, I don't know if he overplayed his hand or maybe he didn't quite expect things to be where they are. And it would sure help him out. I mean, if he's going to have to climb down for it to look as though it's on the best possible terms... And to maybe get to the prime minister to throw him some kind of a bone, whatever that may be, maybe instead of a, a billion and a half for, uh, you know, potential uh, spill cleanup, man, make it, uh, let's round it up to two billion, two and a half, how about, you know, maybe he needs a win, just like, you know, Rachel Notley needs a win. She needs to show that she's accomplished something, that her approach to winning over Trudeau and winning over other pipeline skeptics, that that's bearing some fruit. So, and, and, you know, and certainly Trudeau needs, needs a win, too, here. 403-974-8255 is a number. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.